Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the one and only Minnesota Sports Podcast, the number one. Today, I am joined again by my faithful co-host, Bailey Greenman. What is good, guys? How are we doing? Let's get to it. We already know what, I mean, you guys already know what we're going to talk about. Yes, sir. Hey, but I, guess what? We're going to bring that energy. We're going to bring that energy. Eight and one. We got some other sports or winter sports aren't, you know, like, eh. but those Vikings are giving us that energy. So yep. let's go. Well, I took what you said last week into account. So today we're going to be talking about the Gophers playing against Iowa this week on Saturday. The Wild playing 500 hockey. The Wolves possibly finding their groove. And to cap it off, we will talk about the Vikings scolding up the rankings. So let's start with Skiyu Ma. The Gophers are rowing the boat. Before I start that, I want to give a big shout out to Benjamin St. Just. Gophers alum with the big game. With the Commanders versus the Eagles to hand them their first L. He had seven tackles. Six of them were solo. And he had a big forced fumble. He had a big game against us, too. He did. He did. I, I he just didn't want to say least. it. I didn't want to say it. he was clamping JJ. So, yeah. I, yeah. it's good to see him. It's good to see him going. Yep. So, now for the Gophers currently... They steamrolled Northwestern 31-3 behind Mo Ibrahim's 36 carries, 178 yards, averaging 4.9 yards per carry and three touchdowns. NFL prospect, possible first or second round pick. You know, running backs can slide because of the position being so delicate. You know, easy replace, easily replaceable. Tyler Newbin, who is also a NFL prospect, more so under the radar, had five tackles and one interception. Tanner Morgan did not start this game. The other guy did. I don't want to try to say his name. I was going to say, say his <laughs> name because I don't want to. Yeah. Aiden Malikanakis or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? We better learn his name. He's a redshirt freshman, and he brings energy. He does. To this does. team. You know what it reminds me of? Taylor Ooh. Heineke bringing energy to the commanders. Yeah. he He's a good dual-threat quarterback. He can run the ball. So it's nice to see that. Tanner Morgan is not known for running, especially with those old-ass knees. That guy is too old to be playing college football, in my opinion. Dude can't even grow hair anymore. <laughs> yeah, but let's not go too much into that. This week, we play Iowa at 3 p.m. Central. We need to win this game to keep the Big Ten West ch championship aspirations alive. To do that, we need to win this game. And we need to beat Wisconsin next week. 
And we need to hope for uh, Illinois and Purdue loss. So it could happen, but at least we're bowl eligible, right? Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten West is crazy right now. The Illini are being posers, just like we were. Yeah. Yeah. They just had two big goose eggs. Yeah. You know, I think there's four or five teams that are tied right now. Uh, yeah, we are. It's uh, four teams tied in the West. It is the Gophers, Illinois, Iowa, and Purdue are all four and three in the conference. So, like I said, we just need to beat Iowa this week and Wisconsin next week and hope for Illinois and Purdue to lose because we lost to both of them. And in the Big Ten East, we have Michigan and Ohio State powering through that conference with seven and O records. So they're going to play two and three, right? I believe so. Yeah. I, I mean, this is Minnesota podcast and don't get me wrong, but I think we just cut off the championship game being Michigan and Ohio state. They play. I say that whoever wins that game should just win the big time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but hey, college upsets happen. So we have to make it to the game first to talk about that game. But uh, before we move on, did you watch the Northwestern game? Yes, I did. You did. Okay. What What did you see in that game? Because I, I didn't watch it. I saw Valakinavskis bring energy to this team that we need. Yeah. He's making plays with his legs. He's making plays with the ball. He's th- he threw some pretty tight balls. Yeah. Kaliak Manis. Kaliak Manis. Okay, I, that's the last time I'm going to try it. Kaliak Manis. All righty. If this was up to me, I would keep him starting the whole year. Kind of bogus on Tanner Morgan's spot, but we know he's going to be assistant coach. Yeah. For I'm, under PJ Fleck next year. Most likely. You know, if if he went into the draft in our eleven and one year, he would have been like a fourth round pick, third round pick. It, his draft dreams are shot. I'm hoping PJ this is a big I'm not really looking at the Northwestern game just because it's Northwestern. Yeah, they suck. Yeah. But I'm looking at the future of this team and when Tanner gets healthy. This is going to be a big move, and this is actually going to determine, like, how I think of PJ. I love them guy. I love his energy. You know, he brings that energy just like your boy Bales. Yeah. I love it, but if he goes back to Tanner, I'm going to lose a little respect. You know, this kid, he's coming out. He's bringing energy. The team's loving playing for him. I think that's the reason. That Chris Hammond Bell is coming back next year. Yeah. Because he saw that kid, you yeah. know, because he announced that after he played. I hope PJ makes the right move. I think we found one of our oars, as I've been saying. We've been trying to row a boat without oars. Yeah. I think we found one of them. And let's not take that away. Let's keep it rolling. We got a couple big games. It sucks that we have two big rivalry games. Not really worried about Iowa's offense, but they have been picking it up. 
with uh, Purdy Jr. Yeah, and they usually do it against Minnesota. Last year, they, they torched us, man. Yeah, and I would love to keep that axe in Minnesota. I got to see it for the first time at the State Fair this year. It looks nice for the Badgers. Plus, I work in Wisconsin, so you already know that I want to represent that axe again for another year. Yes, sir. Especially with how the Packers are doing, you know. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, let's get that energy and bring it on to the Wild. The Wild lost yesterday, and they took a big hit. Losing goalie Mark andre Fleury for at least a week. He's going into the IR with an upper body injury. They recall Zane McIntyre from the AHL who went 4-3 and three with 3.08 goals against average and the .903 save percentage with Iowa. What do you have to say about last night's game against the Predators and moving forward without our leading goalie. It's going to hurt. It's For sure. Hurt. I told you guys right in the beginning, Flurry's old. It took him a while to kind of get heated up, but now he's one of the top goalies in the league, especially taking away those first three, four games. Yeah. And he, he's been playing. He's been making some great saves. I do, however... I will never pray for someone to get hurt, especially a goalie with me being a previous goalie. But we did get to see Jesper Wallstead, our 20th overall pick, highest goalie ever selected by the Wild, earn his first professional win in the AHL. Yeah. And he did it in stunning fashion, scoring an empty net goal. Oh, what? Yeah. Wow, that is crazy. That is crazy. And so, you know, with every negative, I see a positive. That's what I'm looking at. This kid is 20 years old. Already has a Olympic bronze medal under his belt that he carried that team. That's why we signed Flurry for two more years because he's going to get his time. He'll probably be our backup next year. Flurry is going to hurt. Hockey's it's a long season. There's a lot of injuries. There's yeah. a lot of pain. Yeah. We have not been healthy like we've talked about recently. Yeah. So I'm hopeful for Flurry to come back and start keep playing how he has been playing. But at the end of the day, we kind of front loaded all of our injuries. So we just gotta pray for uh you know a healthy middle of the season and end of the season when it really matters. So who's gonna be starting at goalie? Oh, we got uh Gustafson. Yeah. Philip Gustafson. Okay, that's who I that's who I was thinking about. Okay. And they just brought McIntyre for the backup goalie spot. Just in yep, case they... Gustafson just messes up real bad. Well, you always have to have a backup. Well, yeah. In case you got a pull, um, there's definitely quite a few back-to-backs, so we really don't play the same goalie in back-to-backs. Yeah. Um. Yep. And McIntyre, I don't really, really <laughs> think much of, honestly. Yeah. Gustafson, 
he proved us. He had Solid. like a 37 save game. Yeah. And a shootout loss uh two yeah. games ago. Yeah. So against the Sharks, right? Play. Oh. Uh, huh? Again, was it against the Sharks? Yep. Yeah, bro. We were up 2-0. I I switched over to the Timberwolves game because that game was going down to the wire. And I thought the Wild were safe. I turned back to the Wild to a shootout. And I see I see the Wild lose. It was it was tough, man. Yeah, that I don't Sunday know. Sunday was looking promising too. We were looking to have a sweep in Minnesota sports for Sunday, but yeah. we couldn't do it. I don't know why they're putting Freddie Goudreau in on the shootouts. I am not a fan. But hey, yeah, it is what it is. Let's let's just finish up the wild here. They yeah, play the there's Penguins. nothing else to say. In Minnesota on Thursday to start a seven-game homestand. So, hopefully, being at home will help them bolster some success with Flurry gone. I think if we can pull out of this homestand positive win-loss, win it would be great because we're still fourth in the standings in our division. So, it would it would help. This is a big homestand. It this is. is the longest homestand of the season. Yep. If we can pull out some wins with all of our injured players, it will do a lot of great things yeah. to our team's just mental strength. For sure. For Something sure. like that we will segue into. The yeah. Timberwolves don't seem like they're having fun. Wait Wild a minute. don't seem like they're having Wait fun. Wait a minute. The Vikings seem like they're having fun. Let's get into the Timberwolves then. They are looking like they're catching their groove recently. They snapped the three-game losing streak on Sunday versus the Cavs in a closer-than-needed game. And they go to Orlando tonight, November 16th, and put them down early and kept them down for most of the contest. In the fourth quarter... The lead went back to nine, but they just buried them after that. Anthony Edwards and Cat led the team with shooting 52.3%. And Anthony Edwards scored 35. Cats added 30. And played a complete game, complementing his 35 points with eight rebounds and six assists. Cat had five rebounds and five assists. This is what we've been looking for. Yes, it was against the Magic. And when they beat the Cavs, they didn't have Donovan Mitchell or Jared Allen, but you play with who you got. They have had 20-point leads in both those games and were able to close out both of those games. This is the time that I'm thinking we turn it around and start to really mesh because and he was playing well tonight he had six assists and you can't you can't be more happy for him because i was criticizing him last week you were there but this is what i wanted from him six assists eight rebounds not just having 30 points but being able to dish the ball around 
and fighting for rebounds. What do you have to say, Bales? Do you guys remember Hoodie Mellow? Hoodie Mellow. Yes, sir. Do we think Corn Row Cat is the new thing? It might be. Corn Row Cat. He balled out. He balled out. Yeah, I was watching the highlights and I was like, what what happened to Cat? Did he go bald? And then they they closed in on him. I was like, oh, he's got cornrows. That's dope. Okay. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. I said that could be the newest thing, you know? Yeah. Cornrow cat. It kind of rolls off the tongue, too, you know? Yeah, it does. I think this is the start of their turning around the season. I was talking to Miguel earlier, and the West is looking weird right now with the standings with the Blazers at number one and the Jazz right up there. We have the Kings at the eighth spot at seven and six. So this is the time when teams really hunker down and become what they are going to be for the season. Just like you were saying last podcast in the wild and how the season is getting to the meat of the season. This is becoming the meat of the NBA season as well. So don't just put some respect on the meat. It's the meat and potatoes, buddy. Meat and taters. This is the meat and potatoes. This is where it's going to be big. And we have a game against Philadelphia on Saturday. So this is where the wolves need to show that, Gobert was worth it, worth those four first-round picks and worth the the players that we gave up. We're playing against the 76ers on Saturday, like I just said, and then the Heat on Monday, which I'm not really worried about the Heat. They're they're a top team in the East, but we kind of have their number because Jimmy Jimmy's over there and we kind of always play big against Butler. That's true. I'm more worried, like, so we have that cat and bead kind of rivalry, you know? Yeah. What's Gobert going to do in this situation? I think Gobert is going to be guarding Embiid more so well, because cat, he can score, but I think Gobert is going to have that assignment. I think so, too, especially with Embiid putting up 59 points the other night. Oh, yeah. But what does that do to that, you know, little rivalry? You know, you got two bigs on one. And don't yeah. you dare include Tobias Harris as a big. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm so, not. like, I was like, there's a, I'm really excited for the 76ers game. It, Me it should being, be fun. You know, like, I love Doc Rivers. So, we'll like to see. Plus, we have Austin Rivers. I yeah. mean, he's sunk on the bench. I don't know what happened to the poor kid, but. Well, Jordan McLaughlin is playing lights out. He's playing well off the bench. I don't see him losing that spot. If anything, I could see him possibly taking the starting role because. That's what I was going to say. D'Lo, D'Lo's been, you know, playing forgettable. He he had a great game against the Cavaliers, and that is why he's a starter. He led the team with. 30 points against the Cavs 
and shot nearly perfect, 11 for 13. So that's why we keep him on the starting lineup because he has that star power to have those big games. But I was also thinking if D'Lo comes off the bench and leads that bench, I think it would be better because he would be able to have more of the ball. And McLaughlin's a good facilitator and doesn't turn the ball over, and he's not a defensive liability. So that's exactly something I wanted to say about the T-Wolves. I'm getting fed up with D'Lo. I mean, we saw when the Lakers put Russell Wilson as a six-man. You mean Westbrook? Or did I say Russell Wilson? <laughs> yeah. Russell Westbrook. Yeah, bro, my bad. I mean, Russell – Russell Wilson should probably be a six-man, too, with how he's playing. But <laughs> <laughs> that's my save on that one. But, uh, yeah. yeah, Westbrook. So, he's getting the ball more. He can facilitate. He can play. Yeah, so D'Lo, he goes four, five, six games, obviously, with great stats. But he would benefit our bench, which is already playing very well. Don't get me wrong. A lot more. Like you said, he would have the ball more. Yeah. He gets to take those shots. Yeah. You know? I think that would be a great switch. And he could still close the game out, you know? He's yeah. got the ice in his veins. He would still be able to close it out. But to start the game, I think it would benefit the team if he came off the bench. Death lineups. Yep. You know? Not everybody's starting lineup is their death lineup like we have been doing. Yeah. We got to get over that. Yeah. I think that would that would benefit them. So I love However, talking though, about the Wolves. But One more thing, though. Let's go. Would you think J-Mac would be a better fit? As a starter? starting rotation? I think so. Because what about Austin Rivers, though? Like, he hasn't been getting playing time. Why? Like. Just look at Austin Rivers' skills. Facilitator, passer, defense. I feel like he would complement our starting lineup a lot more than J-Mac. I would take J-Mac over Austin Rivers because he's younger. He's been playing in the system for longer than this year. And he's been playing great this whole year. And in the playoff run that we had last year. So I think he would be better because he meshes with the other starters better than Austin Rivers. And I don't, it's not that I hate Austin Rivers. It's just that Austin Rivers is on the bench and he's more of a security blanket for if we lose either of those guys. You're right. You're right. I, I agree with that. So that's why I think Jordan McLaughlin should start over Austin Rivers. And let's talk about something more golden right now. The Vikings winning the game of the year versus the Bills, 33-30. Are you kidding me, JJ, in Paul Allen voice? That was a crazy game to watch. I was on watch, ironically enough, uh, for the first half. And 
from what I hear, we were not looking so good. Other than the first drive, surprise, surprise. And I start watching in the third quarter. First play I watch, Kirk Cousins throws a crazy interception just right to the Bills defender. And I'm I'm deflated a little bit, you know, don't get me wrong. But we we stop him for a field goal. We're down 27 to 10. End of the third quarter, Dalvin Cook takes the first play of the drive, 81 yards for a touchdown. And I was resurged. And the Vikings team looked just like that. And once that happened, there were a lot more crazy things that happened, like the Jay Jettas fourth and 18. I, I thought about, you know, well, this is impossible. We're done here. Nope, we're not done there. Jay Jettas getting that uh one-handed catch one of the best catches ever seen i've seen and then in that same drive they jay jettas gets the the catch that i thought was a touchdown but then after seeing the replay he was stopped at the one and you know possibly having that game game leading touchdown but then Kirk Cousins gets stopped at the one yard line. At the end against of it, twelve men against twelve men. I I saw that and I was like, well, that there's another one. But then I was like, well, well, we lost this game, and I was just about ready to turn it off. But I was like, okay, I'm just gonna watch the clock goes to zeros because I I owe this team that much. Boom! Josh Allen fumbles the ball on the one yard line into the end zone. Eric Kendricks picks it up, and we score. Not only that, afterwards, I kind of expected that they were going to get a field goal because they're the Bills, the high-powered offense. Gabe Davis's catch shouldn't have been a catch. We we overcame that adversity as well. We also had some plays that probably could have, you know, the fishing was pretty rough. It was bad. It was and we overcame it. I sat there and I looked at it. I was like, there's no way that was a catch. But I was like, yeah. I do got Gabe Davis on my fantasy team. on both of them. <laughs> so I was like, as long as we win, I'm fine with keeping those yards, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And to seal the game, Patrick Peterson, the closer, who had that interception to start the comeback, it was only right for him to get the interception to close the comeback up and seal the game. It was one of the craziest games I've ever seen. I think that tops the Minneapolis Miracle. Okay. So I, I figured you're going to go here. Yes and no. Yes and no. We okay. know how rare it is. That is the second time a defense has gotten a defensive touchdown within a minute left to take the lead. So that is a very rare occasion. Wait, defensive touchdown? Yeah, Kendricks. Oh, yeah. And then, so I'm thinking that. I'm like, yeah, that's off. And I listened to sound bites of P2 kind of just racked up, you know, mic'd up. He, he always had that faith. Yeah. And 
That's this team. That's this team. I'm going to just go back all the way to answer your question on is it better than Minneapolis Miracle. We start off, you got the Stefan Diggs one-hand catch. You got J.J. one-upping him, showing that the Vikings made the right call on that fourth 18. Yeah. Because Stefan also had a good game, and he also had a great one-handed catch. Then you have Delvin playing in front of his family. Yep. Because his brother, James, plays for the Bills. Yeah. And then all the craziness ensues. Somehow we pull some magic. People cannot deny that there is magic within this team. Oh, yeah, for sure. Except ESPN, but we'll get to that in a little bit. We will. But I would say in overall regular season games, one of the best regular season games ever to be played. Yeah. But when you look at the magnitude of the Minneapolis Miracle, no matter what happened against Philly, surprising enough that, of course, they're big when we have Magic again on our side that Philly's playing well. Yeah. But uh, that was playoffs. I mean, you just can't take that away, especially with our history against New Orleans in the playoffs, hence the, yeah. Brent, the Brett Favre yeah. and the Adrian Pearson fumble. So I, I don't really put them in the same bracket just because playoffs, regular season. Right. I would still take the Minneapolis Miracle. It was a walk-off win. Yeah. It was against the Saints. Yep. And it advanced us. It kept our season alive. It did. I see. I see what you're saying. I do see what you're saying. They were both best regular season game. They were both great wins, respectively. And we that's all we can appreciate. It was. Did you see that? Are they putting uh, JJ's gloves and his sleeve in Canton today? They did? Yeah. Wow. That is wild. That is the magnitude of not only that game, of that catch. Yeah. Everybody's saying OBJ. Or JJ. Nah, I, I'd take I take Jay Jettas because his he literally took an interception away and converted a first a first down. Exactly. And people are like, well, OBJ's wasn't contested, but yeah, he got pass interference. That's why he had to make that crazy catch. Yeah. You know, people forget about that because it looks like he was wide open. Yeah. But JJ's like meant something, it riled us up. Yeah, I will say that hindsight is twenty twenty, and that cornerback slash safety. I don't know what he was thinking, trying to intercept that. He was looking for his own personal stats. Yeah, because honestly, him putting two hands on the ball helped JJ corral that to just it snag did. that. It you did. know, like yeah. All he well, had to do was fall down, use momentum, and rip it away. Yeah. Let's uh, move into the game grades. PFF grades, top three offense. Jay Jettas, no surprise, leads the team with 91.1 with his 10 receptions, 193 yards, and a touchdown. Ezra Cleveland, I've been hating on him for the past couple of weeks. 
I have to I owe him an apology. He got a 90.2 grade against the Bills and Brian O'Neill with a 78.6 to top off the top three on offense. The bottom three on offense, surprise, surprise, Johnny Munt makes another appearance with a 44.1. Kirk Cousins. He led us to victory, but he had a 50.1 with those two interceptions. And Ed Ingram, that guy was playing so bad, stepped on Kirk Cousins two times. Twice. He capped the bottom three with a 55.6. He's a rookie, so hopefully he learns from this and grows, but he didn't play well. Top three on defense, Harrison Phillips, ironically enough, from the Buffalo Bills last year, signed him as a free agent this year, led the defense with an 87.0 grade. The Neil Hunter with his two-sack game had an 84.1, and the closer, Patrick Peterson, caps it off with an 82.4 to lead the team in defense as well. The bottom three on defense – Eric Kendricks didn't even have his rating, but it was bad enough where the Vikings wire highlighted him. He had the worst grade of the team on defense. Andrew Booth had to step in for a Caleb Evans. He allowed six catches on seven targets for 71 yards, 44.4. It's It was a tough time for him to get on the field when he did, but he played Okay enough, I guess, to get a win. 44.4. And the surprising one, Harry the Hitman at a 50.6 rating. What you got on your – what's your reaction to those grades, Bales? Well, what's so they had to, to – they had to tell Booth, hey, yeah, you're not ready. And they benched him, leading to Shelley's. Amazing pass breakup in the end zone in overtime. Or that was regulation. Doesn't matter. Either way, it was a great play. I swear we probably have someone right now flipping signs for cornerbacks. Yeah. With all these injuries. Yeah. That's very concerning, I would say, at the least. Yeah. The hitman is really what surprised me. For sure. The most because, I mean, he made plays. His name was said. He didn't get his fourth interception in this fourth game. But, like, he made some big plays when we needed it to. He did. And that's the whole Vikings team. Yeah. I had a really rough night at darts today. Still came up with the win. Yeah. That's how we are doing. This is a team. For sure. You know, not every star has to be relied on every day unless you're Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So, PFF analytics, their grades, they're nice and all because they tell us, you know, kind of how they played. But also, all I care about is the win and loss column. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And to transition into that, more stats about the Vikings from Vikings.com. 
like every week, thevikings.com accumulates all the power rankings from all the platforms. I took an average, and we look a lot better than last week. We are at 2.375 across all platforms with that big win over Buffalo in Buffalo, shall I add. That's great, but I don't even like the coverage anymore. Just like you were saying in a past episode, we're better when we fly under the radar. We have a big game coming up against the Cowboys on Sunday. It is an afternoon game, so it's you know not a morning game like we usually play in. But they're playing against the Cowboys. Cowboys open up as a 1.5 point favorite. So I, you know, I don't know what else we need to do. They just lost to the Packers. We beat the Bills. Like, man, this is crazy. And we're playing in Minnesota. That is insane to me. Because I thought, you know, even if we lost that game, we earned our respect. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, Buffalo is driving overtime. I was like, how cool would it be if we tied? Yeah. <laughs> and then we played each other in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I thought that would be insane. Yeah. And I bet you if we lost that game, we probably would be favorites. Really? I really do think so. You got to think that was a. An emotional win. It was. That takes a lot out of a team. It does. You know, I remember us getting that foam recovery. I'm like, that's right. And then P2 getting that interception. I was like, yeah, you know what, ESPN? Keep our name out of your mouth. You haven't <laughs> been talking to about us all year. Don't talk about us. Yeah. Really, I wanted to Will Smith on that. Us, but. <laughs> Hey, they listened to me because they gave Dallas the favorite. Yeah. And uh, I think it's absurd that I think we're the first or second team to be 8-1 and one and have a home game and be underdogs. Yeah. Which is another testament to, hey, keep doubting us. You yeah. know what? Them putting us at negative one or excuse me, plus one and a half or one point one five, whatever it is. Yeah. That's gonna take all that emotional distress from this Buffalo game, and that's gonna light a fire under their ass. KOC, Kevin O'Connell is gonna take that and he's gonna motivate this team again. Oh yeah. Would you agree? Like, yeah, I, I agree. I with, think it's the best thing for us to yeah, be underdogs the, at home. With the post game press conference, what I liked about KOC's statement was, you know, that was a good win. It shows that nobody in this team ever counted themselves out, and they always believed that they were going to win the game. And my favorite part of that was we still have things to improve on, you know, and they do because that was a close win. It was against one of the best teams in the NFL, 
but they still do have things to work on. They still have room to get better. And that's what I love about the mentality that KOC brings. He's not happy with that win. I mean, of course he is, but he's not going to stop getting better. He's going to continue to improve the team. And, you know, we had uh, a game where if you would take out Dalvin Cook's 81-yard run, he would he'd be having a tough game. But I want to move this into the Cowboys game. For us to win, Cook needs a 100-plus yard game so we can take more pressure off Kirk Cousins. The Cowboys have had 35 sacks in 10 games this year. And with Kirk, you know, he's not the best under pressure. It showed against the Bills throwing that interception who was blatantly a Buffalo player. But he got hit during that throw, buddy. He didn't get a fall through and step through to kind of get that arm through. I don't mean to just disrupt you there, but like, there's no way he's throwing it to a white jersey in that situation. Like, you look at that replay. He got hit, so he didn't get a fall through and finish his throw, and it just happened to be a white jersey right there. So Cook needs to continue with his 100-yard games, and I think the defense needs to continue forcing the turnovers when they do because the Packers, they're not that good of a team, and they let the Packers come back and beat them when they had a 14-point lead going into the fourth quarter. So I think it's going to be a close game, like every game they've had every this whole year. But I think this is going to be a, a good game for us to really cement ourselves again in the NFL. And you want to know my bold take? What's up? I think this is the game that we dominate. Really? Like I was saying, you would think that we would have earned our respect. Yeah. We're still underdogs. Yeah. And every team after an emotional victory like that against a Super Bowl favorite. Yeah. It's hard to get up for the next game. Yeah. But us being underdogs, it's not about KOC saying we have stuff to improve on. It's about hearing ESPN. It's about hearing all the Vegas odds, all of them saying, eh, yeah, they're, they're going to lose at home. Like, you know what? This team is something special this year. They have some magic. This is going to be their dominant win. Hey, I hope so. I, I thought it was me, Washington, but. I hope you're right with the, the Cowboys pick. I hope so, too, because I bet some money on this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, I'm hoping for that. But we can talk about the Vikings all night long. We're, we're just happy fans at this point. But I want to get to closing this episode up. It was great to have you again, Bales. I know it, it's a late late for you. It's definitely late for me. So thank you for stopping by, and uh, you know I look forward to continuing to do this every week, man. Hey, man, it's always a pleasure. 
I love this. Like I always say, this is for you guys. It started off just so I could talk to my boy Ray, the one and only <laughs> Ray. But now, you know, I do this for you. I got to say, ski you, ma. Let's find that other ore and row that bolt fully. You know, timber pups, let's grow up and be some timber wolves. Ow! Ow! Man bear pigs, as in the wild. Let's, you know, spice things up and not be the mild. Add some sriracha to that thing. Let's get it going. Yeah. And the Vikings, hey, we got that Norwegian heritage. We're just we're just going over the ocean right now, you know? We're paddling. Yeah. No one thinks we're going to make it. But guess what? When we hit that mainland, when we hit that motherland, we're going to all cheers and say, Skull! Yes, sir. I love it. Well, thank you listeners for letting us be a part of your day your drive whenever you listen thank you for your time we'll see you next week we hope minnesota comes out on top hopefully we can get a sweep in one of these days and we'll see you next week peace, peace. A rich man's world.